Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, and we thank you that you have not left us to ourselves, but in your mercy uh, you sent your son Jesus, and now you send your spirit to dwell within us and to use us as you will. Lord, give us faithful hearts that follow you, the voice of our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. past couple months, uh, the Vestry and I have been talking a lot about ministry and our structures for ministry and what that's going to look like in the coming years. I read a very helpful book uh, that was given to me, and I don't know about you, but uh, I get handed a lot of books. And uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so is the watch. Uh, there's not a lot of time to do that. And yet this book was given to me by a dear friend, and I uh, picked it up, and I read it. And the uh, whole framework and model of ministry that's presented in that book was the model of ministry that Philip Jensen used when he was the dean of the cathedral in Sydney, Australia. And it's uh, incredibly biblical. Uh, and it's a model that they call trellis and vine. And that is that when it comes to the ministry of the church, how it is that we do ministry, how it is that we are a part of the ministry, uh, can be broken down primarily into two categories, the trellis and the vine. Now, uh, there are a lot of... Uh, beautiful uh, trellises that I've seen in the world, and uh, in fact, I've seen uh, beautiful trellises that actually have no vine, and yet every year they get painted up, and uh, they look nice and federal green, and uh, they are tended to, uh, and then I've seen trellises that are overgrown and broken down and in jeopardy of just falling right over into the garden. And if you want to look at the church that way, there are a lot of churches who do a very good job of trellis work. Those are the things, those structures which hold up the ministry. Uh, and yet you can have the most beautiful structure, uh, the most beautiful administration. Uh, you can have uh, the most well-kept buildings uh, in the state. And yet uh, it was built with a purpose. It was built for what? To help a vine grow. And so, if you're one of those people that has a beautiful trellis, you need to get to work on cultivating the vines. Now, there are some instances in which the vines get so big and so overgrown that they begin to put stress and pressure on the trellis, and you have to stop every once in a while and actually tend to that and try to shore that up uh, to make it so that it can hold the weight of the vine. And so, uh, here at the Advent, I would say that we're one of those places that has a very attractive trellis, uh, and yet the vine continues to grow, and we need to be mindful of both our trellis, our support that is holding it up, but also doing everything in our power of cultivating uh, the vine. Uh, to give you an example of this, uh, we have some wonderful people on staff, but sometimes I get stuck with things, and it's a bad idea that I get stuck with them. Uh, Brian Helm, who is very able and capable, handed me a dental insurance policy for my review and I said if it helps teeth good for you like I mean you're good by you what am I supposed to do with with this policy and that's important stuff obviously because that's but that's trellis work and so what we've done around here is we've begun we've begun to shift our focus uh, more on the vine um, maybe this will be a warning for you, but one of the things that has changed around here is somebody will be coming uh, new to the church or they've been here for a very long time and they've come up to one of the clergy and said, how can I be more involved? 
Now, normally, the way that I would think is I would think in terms of trellis. So I would think, well, we have this committee or that committee, or here's an already existing program that we can fit you into. Uh, but you know what? It, there's not a vacancy right now, so just sit tight. And you may have had the experience of coming up to somebody who's a leader in the church and saying, I want to be more involved, and you never hear back. And you're left to yourself to figure out where it is that you're going to plug in and where your place in the Advent is going to be. Uh, and so we've, we've turned a corner, and over the past year I've been doing this. Anytime somebody comes up to me and says that, I've grabbed hold of them, and I've told them, okay, you see that guy over there? That's Joe Smith. And Joe Smith has been coming to the Advent for six months. I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know what his deal is. But I do know that he's been here for six months, and he's not left. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go, and I want you to take Joe Smith out to lunch at least once every two weeks and open your Bibles and talk to him about the Lord and I want you to disciple him. Now, they probably wish they'd never heard the question, right? Uh, and I've had people say, you want me to do what? How do I do that? And that's when I say, I'm going to meet with you every week and I'm going to show you how to do this. Uh, our ministry around here is about investing in people. It's about making disciples. And we need to turn our attention toward that vine work. It's uh, providential that our reading this morning was from Nehemiah because that is uh, one of the passages which I had chosen uh, for uh, my address. Now, when the Israelites were coming back uh, into uh, Jerusalem after it had been destroyed, uh, there were two great issues. There was the spiritual issue. The temple had been destroyed, uh, but there was really little to no spiritual life, which you have heard or will hear uh, from Matt uh, Schneider. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the walls that had been breached and destroyed to protect the city of Jerusalem uh, were broken. They were broken. And those two things really went hand in hand. You could not worship in security. You could not live out a faithful life if you were constantly looking over your shoulder. And so Nehemiah, when he was serving the king of Persia, said to the king, I want to go back and rebuild the walls. And so he became the governor of Jerusalem and went back and he began to rebuild the walls. And there are such wonderful little lines. Uh, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Uh, they were very much had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other in those open spaces that had been breached. Everybody came together to guard the wall, to build the wall. And once the wall was finally complete, what did they do? They worshipped. And that's where we pick up in chapter 8, when Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and there stood beside him, and whoever the lector was this morning, and this uh, who will be at 11, you are spared, because these are the most difficult names to pronounce in the entirety of the Bible. Uh, so we've skipped all of those, but it says that Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people, and he opened it, and all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord. And they read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Well, what's happening here? Uh, multiple people are preaching. Uh, it's like a huge preaching event, and the people are standing at attention. And they are overwhelmed 
and they are so broken by the goodness of the Lord that it frightened them. They didn't know what to do. And so that's why Ezra had to say, this day is holy to the Lord your God and do not mourn or weep. For as the people wept as they heard the words of the law, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send your portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I am often overwhelmed by the things that the Lord Jesus is doing in our midst here at the Advent. And I could sit up here and I could enumerate uh, for you all that is going on, but I think that you see it around us and I think that if you read the purple sheet or if you read uh, the adventurer, uh, you see it. And we're trying very hard not to make your life even more busy. There's this very bad habit in the church of you're busy with soccer, you're busy with your social life, you're busy with your work life. You know what you need to do? You need to stop and come be busy at the church. Right. Uh, so we're not talking about a bait and switch. We're not talking about programs, but we're talking about coming alongside of you and helping you grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord Jesus. We are not without our challenges and our problems, and yet often we can focus on the trellis at the expense of the vine. Uh, we are not uh, going to be without challenges, and we will deal with them as they come. We won't shy away from them, but we will deal with them as the body of Christ in light of God's work. We will use the sword where we need to use the sword, and use the trowel when we need to use the trowel. Now many churches have done everything under the sun to avoid tension and controversy, and their avoidance is detrimental to the spiritual life of the church and the well-being of the believer. Uh, one scholar uh, wrote something very interesting uh, recently. He said, liturgical fastidiousness is not a solution, nor is clinging to a culture-bound religious heritage. Some churches try to avoid tension altogether by discouraging change and affirming tradition. Like the one talent, the servant, and Jesus' parable, they bury the gospel in their traditions and rules. Sermons may be biblical in detail, but not in depth or impact. They remain safe and predictable. Missions is, not all, is all about going someplace else and not about ministering in the neighborhoods a few blocks from the church. Worship has to do more with the format of three hymns, announcements, an anthem, a long sermon, than it does with faithfulness, repentance, confession, adoration, and submission. Old patterns of executive style, power-based leadership remain in place. Controversial issues are avoided. The less said about problems in leadership, praise songs, racial reconciliation, and sexual ethics, the better. Stewardship is the hottest preaching topic of the year. Leadership tends to focus on buildings, budgets, programs, and committees. But we, dear friends, are focused on the Lord Jesus. And even if we do have challenges, we take to heart the words that Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
You see, it wasn't just Nehemiah and Ezra. Everyone was involved. Whether it was working on the wall or participating in the spiritual life of the people of Israel, which is the call upon all people, it was not left to specialists, but was left to you and to me to do the work of ministry in this place. Amen.